Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo uh, over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Silver City. Silver City? Yeah. It sounds like the what was the town on Joe Dirt? Oh, I don't remember. Was it Silvertown? Hold on. Hold, please. It was Silvertown, yes. Town you see on the postcard. There you Stuff go. Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, this, this, I wonder this, if Silver City's like that. Yeah, well, Silvertown was in the Pacific Northwest, and Silver City is in Humphreys County. Oh, okay. Well, then probably not. Probably not. Wherever you are in our great state, if you want Strange Brew Coffee, it's just a click away. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it uh, for shipping. And whatever kind of coffee machines on your front counter, we'll get you covered at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. I don't know if you guys noticed today at uh, Chris Chance's press conference, but he was rocking the, uh, the M over S. Uh, I think that's a pretty good indicator, guys. We need to start making the move. And if you need new gear, College Corner is the place to get it. They've got polos. Pullos, Robbie. They have pullos. It's a combination. It's a it's a hybrid of a pullover and a uh, polo. We used to call it the shacket, but now it's the pullo. That's what I just invented it right here on the air. The pullo, pullo. Let me try that again. I'm gonna try that again. They've got the polos and pullovers that you're looking for with the logos that you want and a whole lot more. It's a lot more than just clothes at College Corner. It's great stuff for the car, for the house, and for the tailgate. Check them out. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell, or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler was uh, downtown Starkville today, and people were filing in and out for brunch at Restaurant Tyler, and they now know, if they didn't already, what Robbie and I know, that it's the best brunch in town. And guess what? This week, they'll serve it again, and they'll serve the best lunch in town and the best dinner in town. And that's because it's the best restaurant in town. No questions asked. Hands down. That's the answer. The best restaurant in the city of Starkville is Restaurant Tyler. Priority One Bank, 16 locations throughout central Mississippi looking to serve you. And when you get a build a relationship at Priority One Bank, it means something because those relationships are what are going to make determinations for those people. They don't they don't have a, a overriding authority when it comes to loans. Everything's done locally. We talk about eat local. We talk about shop local, bank local, very important as well. Allow Priority One Bank the chance to win your business. 16 locations, so you know there's one near you in central Mississippi. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. Well, they're in the tournament, both teams. But 
But pull the famous Portnoy butt there. Play in games for both the men and the women. Let's start with the men. Mississippi State heads to Dayton for the first four Tuesday. Tip off 8 10 p.m. on True TV, as, as I tweeted, followed by Hardcore Pawn. You got to say pawn. You got to say it really, uh, you know, you don't want to be like Charles Barkley. Uh, they will take on the Pitt Panthers. So Mississippi State among the last four in for the NCAA men's tournament. So a lot of the projections that had them comfortably in after the South Carolina game or or, or even after the Florida game were incorrect, Robbie. There was not a lot of chaos. In fact, I, from what I can tell, Robbie, I don't think I think chalk may have held almost across the board in almost all of the 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 smaller leagues. You know, something like Conference USA. You know, where you had a team that everybody expected to win it, and they did. If there had been a, a lot of chaos, Mississippi State might be on the outside looking in. But as it is, they are not, and they are back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2019. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I know that they're not very happy about this, and you know, North Carolina State is a team that probably shouldn't have been in over Mississippi State. And I guess they should have been in the play-in game over Mississippi State. Right. Uh, Providence. There's a couple of teams that you can make, you know, an argument for that State should have had the upper hand against. And State – the frustrating thing is State was the last team or – I don't know how you would term it, but they were the first team in the play-in. So they were one more slot, and they would have – had the uh, they would have been in the sixty four team field, so that's kind of frustrating. And the fact that North North Carolina State and Providence got it is kind of frustrating as well. But you know, North, North Carolina State's been kind of screwed over the last couple of years, so uh, maybe not so so much in basketball, but in other sports. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, maybe they were due. Maybe maybe, but, the, maybe the NCAA just owed them one. Yeah, right. So. Um, you know, it is what it is, but all you wanted was a chance to get in the NCAA tournament. You have that opportunity. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a tough matchup. I think Pittsburgh's a solid team, but State's played some really good teams this year. They should be battle-tested. That shouldn't be anything that they can't overcome. Um, so, really interesting draw for them. I think an 11 seed is a good seed to have as far as your projections down the line in the NCAA tournament. You're not going to meet up with the number one seed in the second round by being an eight or nine. Uh, you're not going to meet up with the number two seed uh, by being a 10. So it's it's a better matchup for Mississippi State if they can get past this playing game and past that, that first round. You have a more manageable chance to get to, to possible Sweet 16. But I think the most important thing is you're in the tournament for the first time since 2018. Yeah. And that's what you wanted to do. And that's what they've done with Chris Jans, and I think everybody will take that. Yeah, I mean, you really said it well there. That the the being an eleven seed gives you the the best, one of the better places to be if you can win that first game. Yeah, the first game is going to be tough, but you're going to play an Iowa State team that has struggled at times this year, um, and has you know had some issues up and down there. They're currently 19 and 13 on the season. They have 10 quad one wins. That's, you know, playing in the big 12 was a big boost uh, to Iowa state, but that's a team that, you know, it's certainly a, a beatable basketball team to give you an opportunity to, uh, to get into the, to, into the, uh, the second round. And then when you look ahead to the, uh, the potential second round matchup, you know, likely with Xavier, a, I mean, uh, 
maybe an opportunity for a little revenge from 2004, if nothing else. But Xavier is a is a good team, but they got pummeled on Saturday by a Marquette team that Mississippi State beat on a neutral floor. That Marquette win remains one of the most surprising uh, results of this uh, this past season. The thing with the bracket is, and this is true every year, and you know this, Robbie, that it, they never get it all right. There's always going to be a team that you feel like you can make a case that they should be in. There's always going to be a, a couple of teams where you're like, they're seated too high, they're seated too low, whatever it is. But But the main thing is, as you said, it's about getting in and being in the tournament, and Mississippi State has done that. And this is a team that nobody, when we tipped off this season in in November of 2022, thought that when we got to March, I mean, I remember saying things like, yeah, NIT would be really good. If they could be in the bubble conversation for a little while, that would be great. They vastly overachieved, especially when you talk about relative to what the team has. This is not like a great team that played poorly at times. This is a team that had to scrap and, and grind for literally every win that they had. Uh, you know, being the worst three-point shooting team <laughs> in college basketball, um, really something. So uh looking around the SEC, Alabama a one seed, Auburn a nine seed, but they get to play in Birmingham. They're getting the Texas treatment there. Mississippi State fans remember that from uh from a couple you want to feel old, Robbie, when that, that game was twenty two uh years ago. I remember watching that game on CBS. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M. TJ Ford was on that team, I think. Yes, he was. Texas is the seventh seed in the uh, Midwest region along with Mississippi State. A very SEC flavor in the Midwest region. You've got Auburn. Uh, you've got Texas A&M. You've got possibly Mississippi State if they can get into the uh, out of the play-in game. And, of course, you got future SEC member Texas in there. Uh, Arkansas is an eight seed uh, in the West region. Um, Kentucky, a six seed. That's one that that you you made a point on Twitter that like how are they seated ahead of Texas A&M but they're the 6th seed in the east Tennessee is the 4 seed uh in the east and as i mentioned uh, Alabama the 1 seed in the south Missouri the 7 seed in the south so 8 teams from the conference get in Vanderbilt ended up not making it when you when you look at Vanderbilt i mean at the end of the day and somebody i, I forget who it was on your board but there are a couple people stressing this point that each game is equally important you have to win every if you you know everything is taken into account. It doesn't matter what you did at the end of the season. What you did in December matters just as much. Those games count. Those games are played for a reason. And Vanderbilt just had slip ups in the beginning of the year. And, and and honestly, I think if they had just beaten LSU a few weeks ago, they'd probably be in. But they're not, and and that's why they're they're not gonna, they're not going to be in. So Mississippi State is in, and that's a good setup for Mississippi State. So Tuesday, eight ten. Uh, Projected tip-off time on True TV, Mississippi State uh, taking on Pitt. I will do everything in my power tomorrow to get somebody from Pitt on talk about Mississippi State uh, basketball. Then for the women, who, who do you know from Pitt? I don't know anybody from Pitt. <clears throat> I know one lady who covers Penn State. I might reach out to her and see if she knows anybody. Other than that, I'm gonna I'm gonna work my national guys and be like, hey, who do you know that covers Pitt? So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, for the ladies, a little bit more surprising to find them in the play-in game. We we thought that they were pretty much in. But something you talked about a lot over the past few weeks was that the SEC was basically South Carolina and everybody else this year. It was not a conference that had the same uh, resume and power projections that it's had in years past. Obviously, Carolina's the best team in the country. Everybody else kind of down the 
the way a little bit, and it shows with Mississippi State not only being in a play-in game, but being in a play-in game with a team that probably doesn't belong in a play-in game. I don't understand why Illinois is in a play-in game. They won 11 conference games. They beat Iowa, who is a two-seed. They were within single digits and had a chance to beat Indiana, which is one of the best teams in the country. They were in the game with Maryland. I just This is a really good team. This is a terrible matchup, in my opinion, for Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, I can understand State being in the play-in. That's, that's not a – you know, that's not something that's a huge surprise. Losing to A&M was a killer. You win that ball game, you're probably – you know, working on on a possible nine seed, you're you're at least a ten seed, and you're probably working your way up the ladder there if you win that ball game. Mm-hmm. Instead, you lost to a, the thirteen seed in the uh, in the SEC tournament, and this is what happens: you don't have a very impressive resume. Your best wins are Tennessee, who is a four seed, mm-hmm. um, and they worked their way into that. They were. Uh, you know, borderline top 25 most of the year. Mm-hmm. And then Alabama, who's a 10 seed. Those are your best two wins this year. Right. So State that just didn't have a resume. But you're exactly right that the SEC is just not very strong this year. LSU is the number two team in the league, and they're a three seed. You have three teams that are going to be hosting regionals, I think. Um, I haven't looked at the whole bracket, but I, be- I believe that's correct. Um, you know, Ole Miss – they're celebrating that they, you know, they had a solid year. They're an eight seed, mm-hmm. and that they're going to have to play if they if, if they can get past Gonzaga, they got to play Stanford in, in round two. So, mm-hmm. not a great year for the SEC, but yeah, just kind of like, um, it, it's it's kind of like uh, you know, the men. You're just happy to get in. You just find yeah. a way to get in there. And so Mississippi State will take on Illinois if they win that game. Uh, they will be in, introduced into the Greenville, South Carolina uh, regional, which means they'll be playing at for the first part of the uh, regional at Notre Dame. Uh, they will take on Creighton, the Blue Jays, and if they win that, they would you know again we, could, we talked about revenge over Xavier. No bigger revenge for Mississippi State women's basketball than to have a chance to knock out Notre Dame uh, in the second round. So we'll see if they can progress that far. Um, and then, of course, that's the South Carolina regional. So, you know, if you're, you're looking way ahead and you're thinking, well, could they make a, a run? Well, the biggest buzzsaw of them all is waiting for them uh, if they were to, I guess, get to the Elite Eight. But, you know, that's that's a long way down the road. Looking at these two teams, knowing what you know about them and knowing what the schedule looks at, like for them going forward, if I said one only one of them is going to make the second weekend, who do you think it is? The men. Uh, just too much inconsistencies from this women's team, and the men have not been um, great either. I, I, you know, I get that, but their defense travels. Their defense has been pretty darn good in almost every game this year. So we know that they're going to put up a defensive fight. States women, you don't know what you're going to get. They might come out and uh, have a really good game against a good team, or they might come out and. Um, have a five-point quarter or whatever it was like they did against uh, an A&M team that was better but still not a good team. So um, the fact they're playing Illinois and then you got Creighton, you got to beat Notre Dame on their home floor. And also those are based – those. I mean, that's, that's, that's a home environment if they play Notre Dame. Um, the men are going to be playing on neutral court. So I, I'm taking the men to make a run if they do make a run. And I think – it's still possible for this team. I think that team still has the ability to do it. They're going to have to make some shots. They can't 
um, be as bad as they were in the SEC tournament or really for most of the year. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I do think it's the men. The women, I will say, that I feel like the women have the higher ceiling because they're not limited the way the men are offensively. They can go out and score points. They can get buckets. So if they, yeah. if they play their best, they're capable of beating a lot of teams on any day. I don't think they're capable of beating South Carolina, but they gave South Carolina a good game here in Starkville. So, you know, who knows how that might might play out. Probably the toughest game that anybody's given them this year outside of, I, of Ole Miss. Maybe Stanford, Stanford Ole and Ole Miss. Ole Miss gave them a tough They're both. I thought both of South Carolina's toughest <clears> games <throat> this year were in the state of Mississippi in Starkville and Oxford. Um, and then with the men, I mean, it's just such a crapshoot because you just you know going into the game that they're not going to score a lot of points. And so if they if the other team is a good three point shooting team, which Pitt is, Pitt is a pretty decent three point shooting team. If they're hot from behind the arc, it, it, it becomes tough for Mississippi State. So we'll see what happens. You know, like I said, if you said only one's going to make the uh, the Sweet Sixteen, I would I could say the men. But if you said one of one of them is going to make the Elite Eight, I feel like that would be the women. I feel like they. I feel when you get to Sweet Sixteen, State's luck is just probably going to run out. They're going to run into a team that can just you know can make shots. Whereas the women, I feel like they're just a little bit more, for lack of a better word, normal. They're just more of a normal basketball team. They're not a great basketball team, but they're they have a higher ceiling overall. Uh obviously really good for Mississippi State sports to get both of these teams in. That's a lot of uh, a great national attention, um, and they'll get to you know. Kind of have it's one thing. Well, the one good thing about the the playing game, and Chris Jans kind of talked about this in his uh, press conference, is that you're the only guys playing. Yeah, so everybody's watching NCAA tournament basketball is watching you eight eight o'clock on uh on Tuesday night. So it'll be a lot of uh, eyes on the on the Bulldogs. We'll see if they can advance Tuesday uh, in Dayton for the men eight ten Wednesday in South Bend for the women. We don't know the time on that yet. Is that correct? Um, five p.m. Okay, so that, that is done. All right, five p.m. Tip. I don't. I don't know what channel. I'm sure it's on True TV. No, ESPN. They don't. Yeah, they got to be on ESPN. On the ESPN have... network, so it might be on yeah. you. Might be on ESPN too. When we have that information, obviously, we'll, we'll we will pass it along. Uh, let's move on into the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Who want to remind you that beef. It is what's for dinner. Hopefully, you guys, a little, a little cold and rainy this weekend. So if you stayed in, I mean, we said a couple weeks ago, it was, it was nice and warm. I said another cold snap is coming. I don't know if this is quite it because it's not freezing out there, but it is chilly. And speaking of that, maybe this was a good day to do that. Big pot of chili. It's, it's, it's cold enough outside to, to justify that or some taco soup or some beef stew. Again, you know, beef is great on the grill, but it's great everywhere in 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 the kitchen. If you want to cook in the Dutch oven, if you want to, you know, cook something in the oven, you can do that with beef. Make a big pot roast, put it in the crock pot. Life is good. Shout out to Pepper Belly Pete, the pot, the crock pot master. Wherever you go, whatever you're looking to cook, beef has got a great alternative for you. Check them out. Head over to your local grocery stores. Head over to your butcher shops and ask for beef. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Robbie and I ate there last week. And guess what? I'm already thinking about the next time we're going to go eat there. Because that's how Two Brothers is. The food is good. The people are nice. And so I, I keep coming back. You know, it, it, the restaurant business, it's a very complicated business internally. Externally, it's not. If you have good food and good and good people, stay open forever. And that's what Two Brothers is doing here 
in Starville. You know you're going to have a great meal. You know you're going to have a good time every time you walk in the door at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products and great service is what every business promises you. Advantage Business Systems, hey, they deliver it to you. And they have been for 48 years. So when you need products for your business, technology, you call Advantage Business Systems for copiers and printers, for laptops, for computers, for information systems, mailing systems. Then if you need uh, service on something, you call back and you talk to the guy who made you the sale. It's no overseas call center. It's no out-of-state consultant you're making an appointment with. No, you're talking to, man, I don't know, Jim. Let's we'll assume there's a Jim there. And he'll take care of you the way he has throughout the entire process. That's the difference between being a neighbor and being a number. Call them at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. Uh, Saturday during the game, I pointed at this guy to Robbie. I was like, there's no way that pullover didn't come from the Rogue. So shout out to that guy who was sitting on the third baseline in the light maroon M over S pullover. I know you got it at the Rogue. I know you got it from their collegiate collection. I appreciate that. Uh, And you will too. So next time you're out shopping for MSU gear and you want to get something for yourself and you want the logos that people want to wear, and you want the, the styles that people actually want to wear, you shop at The Rogue and you shop their collegiate collection. Shop online at therogue.com. Check them out on Instagram. They've always got great stuff there. They let you know the newest uh, things coming in every time at The Rogue JXN. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at The Rogue. I was told uh, there was a local celebrity at Luva Wine Bar uh, on uh, on Saturday. I do believe Steve Robertson must be a local, a, a avid listener of the Thunder and Lightning podcast because he's heard what everybody else is hearing about, that Luva Wine Bar is a great place to go. He and his wife were there. I, I, I assume they sell a Diet Coke with lime at Luva Wine Bar because that is the Steve Robertson uh, poison of choice nowadays. So you head over there, you enjoy yourself, great wine selection, great cocktails, and great food there, especially the charcuterie, the uh, the flatbreads. I mean, it's, 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 just, it's just classy. They class it up over there at Luva Wine Bar. Find out what everybody else in Starville already knows. Head over to Luva Wine Bar at 509 University Drive. Big week for Mississippi State baseball. They needed to be 4-0. They went 4-0. They get four three games out of Lipscomb. I think when we look back, I'm not going to I'm not going to come on here and try to tell you Robbie that Lipscomb is going to be like a top 50 RPI win. But they they took they what? They 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 got swept by Auburn and lost a couple of close ones there. And they came to Mississippi State, lost a couple of close ones here. That's not a terrible team. I think when they get into conference play, they're going to be okay. And that being said, Mississippi State gets the sweep. Uh, and then on the Saturday was just an exciting day, a walk-off home run in game one. And then Ross Highfield sets an MSU freshman record uh, with a three-home run game. First MSU player with three home runs in a game since some guy named Brent Rooker uh, back in 2017. An offensive explosion for the Bulldogs. They win 12-4. I thought the most impressive thing, though, from the weekend was that all three starters were able to go into the fifth inning and beyond for Mississippi State. Drangelo on Friday night, and then Landon Gartman on on Saturday in the first game. And they end up going to Graham Eintema in the in the second game. And he struggled in that first inning, and you and I were just sort of looking at each other like, oh, gosh, here they go. But he got out of it, and from there he was pretty solid. So a good pitching weekend for the Bulldogs. They're starting to figure out some things on the mound. The walks are still a problem, but they're starting to figure some things out. If he could have got through the sixth inning, which was the inning he left with uh, one out in that inning, State would have had four straight starts of six innings from their starting pitching. 
Mm-hmm. That's a really good step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about it. You know, if, if Mississippi State could get some really quality starts from midweek to the three weekend games, you just have to piece together some bullpen pieces. Mm-hmm. If you can get six innings or, or more from your starting pitchers and you're in the game when they leave in the seventh inning, you got a shot. You got a really good shot. And this is an offense that can score runs. And they've proven they can score runs late in ball games and in big moments. So that that's kind of the key for them. If they can get really good starting pitching, you just need a, a couple innings pieced together from everybody else, and you'll be in good shape. Now that's uh, that's still saying a lot um, because so far this year, starting pitching has kind of been up and down. I would say Landon Gartman's been a steady uh, guy in the rotation. The Cal game was probably his worst game and what he had four innings, I think, in that That's game. Correct, yeah. Um wasn't great, but he didn't just fall apart out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think Trangelo Sanja is uh another guy kind of like Bradley Lofton. I mean, walks hurt him last week, but neither one of those guys really fall apart. That that's kind of the key. Like just you just can't have a guy that just melts out there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what—that's really what we we saw from Mississippi State for the most part all week. Um, Bradley Lofton struggled with command a little bit early in the game. Ended up going six innings, struck out eleven guys. Gerangelo, I thought he got better and better as the game went on, and he said he had been sick. So I think that might could have played into his ball game because that was probably his worst game that he's pitched. And he was still okay. He only gave up what one run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's just, it's just really hard to hit those two guys. Um, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a change up. If it if it's I know with Lofton the change up has been really difficult to just hit on the nose, and the fastball has been really good too. So I mean that's just been it's been hard for teams to really square him up. Walks for both of those guys have really been the only thing that's really hurt them. And um, that says a lot for, for freshmen to be able to do that. And then you yeah. get Eintema, tough first inning, came back. I thought he really competed well. Lanny Gartman really competed well. And then you got some good bullpen pitching. So you can't really be upset a whole lot of this pitching staff for what they did this week in those four wins. And I think they were a huge part of those games because there was a couple of times where the offense was really kind of struggling. And they were able to kind of hold their own there and, and make sure that that um, um, you know things didn't get out of control for them. And then the offense kind of came through. But really big for State to get four wins in four games and uh, build some momentum here. I understand why you know Highfield didn't start game one. You don't want to have a guy catch eighteen innings in one day, so that, that makes a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. I think we have reached the point now where Highfield is going to be the everyday catcher. Hancock's going to be at first. And they're just going to kind of have to figure it out. I mean, I I guess the the if, if you want to call it good news, I wouldn't say it's great news if you want everybody to succeed. But with Dakota Jordan sort of falling off a little bit, it's made it easier to put Bryce Chance in left, Kellum Clark in right, and Hunter Hines could DH, and you've got that figured out. And then when you need a D, you know you need to give Hancock a day behind the plate, and Hine, and Highfield is a day off, he can DH. So yeah. <clears throat> Dakota Jordan starts playing better, and and he is just struggling right now hitting anything but fastballs, and that means he's not going to see any. This that this lineup for Mississippi State seems to be settling in a little bit. 
Yeah, no, it, um, I think that you're starting to kind of figure out what you want there. And you're exactly right. I mean, you got to have, I think, Ross Highfield behind the plate um, in most games. I, I wouldn't be opposed to Luke catching a midweek game and even double headers. You need to, you, you can definitely rotate those guys. But I think he's got to be in the lineup without a doubt. And both of them have to be in the lineup. I think both of them are two of your better hitters. Right now, he's leading the team in batting average among guys that have started. Um, Ross Highfield. Mm -hmm. And then you got Luke Hancock, who's one of the team leaders in uh, uh, OBP, and his batting average is really high right now. He's getting some big hits, had five RBI this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So both of those guys, I, I think, have to be in the lineup. And you know, whether or not Luke is playing first base or DHing or whatever, I don't know, but you got to have Ross in there. The other thing that's happened is that, yeah, and we talked about this, David Marchand has really solidified himself at third base. Uh, defensively, he did have an error this week and all that. I will give him, you know, some, 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 some cushion there. It was a really tough play that he just couldn't make. Uh, it wasn't any kind of, you know, just he didn't boot the ball by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and he's hitting, you know, 273 on base is 385. He's going to be in that th third base position going forward. I, I think that I think Slade Alford is going to, you know, I, I feel bad for him because he had such a great summer and there was a lot of high expectations for him. But I just don't see him getting back into the starting lineup anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, what we've seen from David Marshawn this week, it's it's been very eye opening. It's kind of what we thought was going to happen with him just because when he was in there in the fall and in the um, spring practices, I mean, it was apparent that this kid had an it factor that you don't get very often. And, you know, he's constantly chirping out there. He's constantly, and not in a bad way, <clears throat> he's constantly talking. And Lamonis even said the other day, when I mean, you can't get him to shut up, but that's a good thing. I mean, he's constantly communicating with his teammates, um, whether that's an encouraging way or, kind of letting them know what's going on or whatever. And then he's a spark plug, what we've seen from him. He's got a little pop in his bat. So and he's and he's made some tough plays look routine too. So I it's just a tough situation. Slate Alford just was struggling at third base and was not hitting it well. Mershon's gotten his chance and we've we've seen this a lot of times. Guys get their opportunity and I don't know if he's ever going to lose it. I mean I just just knowing the makeup of the kid and what we've seen from him and the the um, comfortability that he's playing with out there, it's going to be very difficult to take him off the field. It really is. And, I, and you can't replace Lane Forsyth. Lane Forsyth is really hitting the ball well. Um, he's not hurting you in the field at all right now. So those two seem to be kind of locked in in the infield, and we know Monty Larry is going to be playing second base too, so there's nowhere else to put Mershon. And yeah. he seems to be playing a really good third base. So I yeah. I like it how it is right now, man. I, the lineup that we saw, the defensive alignment that we saw uh, this weekend for the most part and this week, um, I like it. And I, I don't – right now I think that's the way to go. And if some other guys struggle and you got to move some guys around, that's fine. You know, Connor Hijack comes in there and hits a, a home run, basically wins the game for you um, and, and, and or I guess took the lead in yeah. one of those games. Uh, so you know, he would have might... been a game winner if not for a uh, a rough uh, 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 not really a 
<clears throat> not an error, but just a tough call on a uh, on a a, a a double play ball. So yeah. yeah, I mean, Hijack has played well when his his name has been called. When you look at states, you know, starting lineup now, what's well, going to be going forward with Highfield and and Mershon in it? You know, Highfield, like you mentioned, is hitting four oh six right this second. Chance at three seventy three. Larry's at three fifty two. Hancock's at three forty six. Ledbetter's at three forty five. Forsyth is at two ninety two. Mershon's at two seventy three. Your two lowest hitters are Kellum Clark and Hunter Hines, but they have a combined 11 home runs on the season. They're both slugging over 500 on the season. So you know that the power bats are going to be there uh, f- f- with them. I think Hines had a really good day on Saturday. He had a couple of uh, doubles, had a home run, a monster home run uh, that we all thought was foul, but ended up taking over or hitting uh, into the uh, fair part of the uh, right field pavilion. So, you know, you're starting to figure something. I think. Again, I take everything with this baseball team kind of with a grain of salt until they get a few weeks into conference play. Then I feel like I'll have a really good idea of where they are. But some, there's something to be said about you needed to win all four, and you did. You got decent pitching performances. Nate Dome, again, looked really good for you. Um, you know, All of your starters looked pretty good. I thought Evan Sierra pitched well again. And, and they did something, and you you made this point up in the press box that you know in, in the games where they had leads – the relievers were pitching to contact on days where the wind was blowing in and letting guys just hit fly balls and get caught. And that's yeah. you know, that's all you got to do. You don't have to sit there and nibble. Just throw strikes because the ballpark will keep the ball in for you. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, uh, on, on Friday, you know, they could have hit three or four home runs. Well, I mean, the whole purpose of Mississippi State throwing it in there and making them hit it was because it was playing bigger. Um, and uh, Hunter Hines, I think it was Hunter that mentioned on Friday how different the park plays at nighttime. Yeah. Talked about how weird it is, um, you know, at night playing there. And especially when it's a little colder, the wind was blowing in, I think. And um, he said it's, it's really tough to hit out uh, to left and right center. It's very difficult to get the ball out. Now, the ball he hit was destroyed to right field, and there was yes. there was nothing that, that – that God or the wind was going to do on that one. Um, he put that one straight into a jet stream out of the out of the park, just about. But um, the, Mississippi State knew that they hit a lot of fly balls. They had already um, seen that in the scouting report, and it was obvious that they were pitching to contact. And Gerangelo kept pumping it in there. He walked a few guys, but he gave them pitches to hit, and they just kept hitting fly ball after fly ball, and it just stayed in the park. Evan Seary did the same thing. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's what you do. I mean, especially when you get a big lead. If you have a four- or five-run lead late in the ball game, just pump it in there. Because more often than not, they're going to hit it to someone on your team and get out, especially a team that's pressing a little bit, trying to score runs and all that. I, I thought the State did a good job later in the ball game um, of making sure that they just got out so they didn't give bases away and give the game to them. Big week for Mississippi State again. Five games this week. Obviously, they're down there in the Biloxi uh, for the uh, for the the two games down there with Nichols and Louisiana, and then they head to Kentucky, where it's going to be frigid, evidently, up there in Lexington uh, this weekend. So, should be a very interesting weekend for baseball. And getting back to Highfield, we feel pretty co- confident he'll be SEC Freshman of the Week. Could it could be SEC Player of the Week as well? Uh, very well, could I mean. This conference is so good. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you, you look at we, – we're kind of in a bubble watching one team, and then you look up and this, this one guy has, you know, five home runs or something yeah. on the weekend. Um, it's not like football. I don't know. You watch know, every game, you know. Yeah, Georgia's – I mean, I would expect that he would be player of the week, but Georgia has a freshman that's absolutely crushing the ball right now. I mean, he could take mm-hmm. it. I don't know. But – um I mean, it'd be kind of surprising if he won player of the week, but three homers in one game has got to be up there. I mean, that's the, he's the, to me, it's the, it's the historical uh, part of it all. I mean, Mississippi State's had some great freshmen play here over the years, and he's the first one that's been able to hit three home runs in one game. And the last guy to, to hit three home runs in one game was the triple crown winner. So uh, I think it's, possible very likely that he could be should be the uh the sec freshman of the week at least agreed agreed we'll see what happens with him uh there one more thing before we get out of here All right, MSU adds a second commitment to the 2024 class. Uh, This one, a big commitment, both figuratively uh, and literally for Mississippi State. Offensive lineman T.J. Lockhart out of Winona, Mississippi, 6'6", 365 pounds. No initial rating on him just yet uh, from the good folks at 24-7. I assume that 85 will be there any day now. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's coming, isn't it? But at the end of the day, you know this, and I know this, and everybody listening knows this. You win football at the line of scrimmage. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of, of offense you run. doesn't matter what kind of defense you run. If you're if you're good up front, you're going to be good on the win-loss ledger. And so Mississippi State, you know, made the offensive line a priority, I thought, a season ago uh, and, and got some 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 good offensive linemen in there. And it uh, looks like, you know, they're off to a good start again this year. With, and this is a class, Robbie, where there, there are some good offensive linemen to be had. Yeah, and, you know, last week you're saying, you know, when's State going to get a commitment? And they get that first one, um, I guess, basically the same day they got both of these commitments. This one was just announced later. But they get that first big one in in a quarterback that's always huge in in building your class. Now you get that in-state commitment. And uh, it's always good to get those first – commitments the guys whether it be the quarterback which is the kind of the stability of the class the heartbeat of the class and then that first in-state guy that kind of gets the ball rolling he's got some friends in the class from around the state so that's going to be good and also you start to kind of build your offensive line identity with this new coaching staff Mm -hmm. Um, you got two coaches on the offensive line and they're starting to kind of build their own identity in this offense so good get i think Big kid, a lot of potential there. Winona has had some really good players over the years come through there. Um, you know, we've seen some guys go to Ole Miss and um, elsewhere as well. And uh, Fat Clark is already going to Ole Miss, committed to them a couple weeks ago, and now State gets one too. So to have a three A school with a couple of um, SEC guys is pretty impressive. Pretty good, yeah, Winona for sure. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, the new identity. I mean, obviously, he's not going to play at 365 uh, here in Starville in all likelihood, but he looks more like that old school road grader kind of offensive lineman that Dan Mullen and Joe Moorhead 
uh, wanted to recruit, you know, guys who could mash ahead with the run game. So good pickup for Mississippi State there. And uh, like I said, I, I think that, you know, now that we're, we're, we're out of a dead period, a couple, you know, I think it ended uh, two weeks ago, you, you might see the recruiting pick up a little bit. And of course, you know, it, you know, it's, it's never that far from the summer. And that's where Mississippi State obviously will do the majority of its recruiting, I would have to imagine, as they always have in years past. Also on the recruiting front, today at 1 p.m., the state's top basketball player, Josh Hubbard, this feels like deja vu. Yes, this is the second time we've had to talk about this. But as you know, when Kermit Davis was fired, he asked out and received a release of his uh, NLI uh, from Ole Miss and is now back uh, being recruited. He's expected to announce today, and uh, all the tea leaves are reading maroon and white on this one, that he'll be a part of this class. This is the kind of player that, that Chris James was missing this year, a shooter. This is a guy who can make shots, uh, you know, mid-range jumpers, three-pointers. This is what Mississippi State kind of needs going into next year. State's got a couple, you know, two or three guys in this class, maybe not the most highly touted guys, although Hubbard is, but guys who can who can put the ball into the basket. That's what Chris Chance was missing this year. Hubbard gives him a guy that can do that next year. Yeah, uh, I don't know exactly how he fits right away um, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know what State's roster is going to look like, but I know you got a guy that can absolutely score it and do it. You know, from all three levels, he can get to the rim. He can hit from mid range. He can hit from three, um, and he's scored as as much as anybody in the entire state's history in high school. Um, a very accomplished kid, played some really good teams. I know some people have talked about you know his competition level competition that he's had, but he's played really good teams. They played Starkville this year. They always play some tough competition in non conference, and then they play the best in in the MAIS as well, and then. Of course, he plays uh, some good competition in AAU. So if if State does land him, which we believe they're trending to do on Monday, mm-hmm. it's a really solid pickup, and you're starting to change the look of this team a little bit next year. Mm-hmm. you got some guys that can come in and actually score. And I think they're going to get some guys in the portal too. But this – Chris Jans knows this, but this team, this roster's got to, to improve in a major way on the offensive end. Right. We – we know how close they are to being a really good team, but a, a lot of that is just the weight that this defense is carrying this team. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you can't rely on a defense to hold a team under 70 in this day and age. It's just it's really difficult. Or to hold a team under 60. You've got to be able to, to when, when shots are falling for the other team, like we saw with Alabama the other day and other teams that Mississippi State's played, when shots are falling, you've got to be able to throw a punch too. And State was able to do that at times against Bama the first time they played and the second time and against Tennessee the second time they played. But at the end of the day, it was just a wave and it was tough for them to consistently score. They've got to have guys that can create their own shots, hit wide open shots. That's been an anomaly. I, I, I can't – I don't understand how that's happening. But it's it's been a problem for Mississippi State. They've got to have some guys that can fill it up, and um, and balancing the having a hard nosed defensive team and having players that can really score is sometimes tough because a lot of times some of those players that can really score are not those guys that can get, get down and and get in right. your grill on the defensive end. Right. Um. So finding that good balance and not going out there and picking up six or seven guys that can all score, but they don't fit what Chris Jans wants is kind of what you're looking at right now. 
Um, but I, I think that this team is going to be better next year, and it's going to be because of that improved talent that they're bringing in from an offensive standpoint. And Josh Hubbard can certainly give you some of that next year. I, my expectations are him for him are not to come in and score 15 points a game as a freshman, but right. can he get you six? Can he get you six off the bench, six or seven? Basically, that's yeah, so all you're asking him is when we have you in the game, and we draw up a play, or you get the open look, hit. And if you can yeah. do that, we'll take care of everything else. So yeah, and you know Trey Fort's going to help this team out a lot. Jaquan Scott's going to help this team out a lot. And then you got the portal, right? Which so. you will be uh, involved in, hopefully later rather than sooner, uh, as they continue their their turn journey into the NCAA tournament. Uh, but we'll see how that goes out. So one o'clock is the uh, t- announced time for Josh Hubbard. Keep an eye on that. All right, uh, tomorrow, like I said, I'm going to do everything I can to get somebody from Pitt on to talk about the Panthers and try to preview that game uh, for Tuesday night. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the NCAA tournament. We'll talk some baseball. We'll look ahead to those two games down there in Biloxi. Uh, We talked to Coach, you know, we're going to talk to Coach Lamonis on Sports Talk Mississippi later today at 4.20 p.m., so we'll find out what the pitching rotation is uh, for those games. You know, going into conference play, got to really do a good job managing that staff, so we'll see what happens. Uh, there. Plus a lot more. We'll, uh, we will push our positional breakdown uh, back until Thursday. We'll talk about MSU's running backs uh, for spring football there because we got so, so much to talk about on tomorrow's show. Or maybe not. We'll see. Man. I might do it tomorrow. You never <clears throat> know. All right, guys. Have a good one. Back with you again on Tuesday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.